Charles Finney at the time of his conversion he had so come into the presence of God and as he left that it so struck him all creation praises him he saw the birds the trees everything in a different light and he said the only one who really doesn't praise him rightly is man and I believe that we've been called to recognize he is Lord and he's our Lord Good to be gathered in the house of the Lord again tonight. It's good to have another opportunity to sit at his feet. I was um, remembering this quotation, and it was from the Easter seal. And Brother Branham said, Today we are alive and enjoying the resurrection forevermore. And he talks about a little bit. And then he says, Take the whole world, take anything you want, but give me Jesus. I love him. He's all the world to me. And because that you are a part of him, I'm a part of you, and you're a part of me, and together we're a part of him. He says, oh, Christians, what an opportunity we have. We have an opportunity that St. Paul never dreamed of. We have opportunities that Enoch and Elijah and all of them never had the opportunities we have now. Oh, if we could see I believe one day we'll be able to look back and see where we were today, where we were in this age. I want to make much of, of every service. I want to make much of his presence and what he's doing in this day. I want to live that part to the fullest. I, I'm not gonna, I don't want to get over to the other side and say, I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time at the office or... I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time on YouTube or gaming or, or something else. I want to make much of his presence while we're here. Amen. This weekend we have our, Lord willing, we're going to have Brother Murphy Wong. And uh, it's been a couple of attempts at this. And uh, this last weekend, Vancouver was deluge, what do you call it, a deluge of rain and an atmospheric river. My daughter sent some photos Oh my, there's a lot of times in the middle of winter, they say that they would rather have rain and, than shovel snow. And I said, this time, I'll take shoveling snow over that. And uh, it, it was, it's terrible. Uh, it's receding a little. The believers seem to be okay. It's gone right into Washington. It's gone into the Fraser Valley, different areas, but so far the believers are fine we we pray and thank god for that amen so we we are we're grateful for that so lord willing we're going to have brother murphy wong for both services on sunday let's be praying and expecting for that um and then also i just wanted to say hey uh, it was wonderful to have brother marion leading songs again wasn't it yeah. amen <laughs> Amen. I uh, just listened to some of the songs and I thought, wow, he hasn't missed a beat. He's just still Brother Marion. Every, every one of our song leaders is a blessing to us and we thank God for that. So I um, had a little note from Brother Ron Spencer. He's had a couple of 
tough weeks with, with tests and things. But today he sent a note. He said all tests, he was in for tests again today. All tests turned out good. The cancer is stable. They believe the cancer and the clots have caused infection in the chest and neck. We continue with daily chemo. Prayers are being answered. Yesterday we we'd communicated and and he had he had brought an interesting <coughs> comment at the end after our communication and uh, I'm just seeing if I can find it quickly. But he had he had just he had just said uh, uh, he says un, un, until we will keep fighting and if if we lo- if we leave this earth. I pray all hell rejoices when I leave this earth, he says, if that's what it has to be. <laughs> so we appreciate the Christian fight in our, in our brother. Amen. Tonight we've got our brother John going to minister for us. So we look forward to what the Lord has laid on his heart for us. As we, just thinking of these testimonies, let's sing, give thanks, give thanks with a grateful heart. We're going to have our brother come and minister. Give Give thanks thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Give thanks Jesus Christ, His Son. And now, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Because of what the Lord hath done. Father, we thank you for your presence, O oh God. Lord, truly the weak can say I'm strong and the poor can say I'm rich because of what the Lord has done. Lord, we just want to come now and invite you into this little Wednesday night service. O oh God, I pray you'd take the preeminence, O oh God. Pray you'd take all, thank you for all the songs that have been sung, Lord, and how we've invited you already. And Lord, we just want to now come and give our hearts to you, give our everything to you. I pray that you take me out of the way, and Lord, I pray you could use me, that it could be a blessing, Lord. We just surrender now, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles to Psalms chapter, I think, 85, but I've got the wrong spot bookmarked off, apparently, here. No. I think I'm already a little bit off. Psalms 18. I'm way off, but that's okay. How many is happy to be in church tonight? Amen. Amen. Psalms chapter 18, verse 28. We'll start reading in. For thou will light my candle... The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord, or who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength, 
and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hind's feet and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. And here's a verse I want to look at at the end. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation and thy right hand hath holden me up and thy gentleness hath made me great. We'll keep reading a couple of verses. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me that my feet did not slip. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I have pursued mine enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn again till they were consumed. God bless you. You can have your seats. And we'll look at that verse maybe at the end of the the service. Thy gentleness has made me great. It's perhaps a strange verse, but there's such a beautiful thought with that. I want to welcome everyone tonight and everyone that could be here. And welcome to winter, I guess. I think it's here to stay, but I think at this point we would take the snow over the rain and all that's been done there. I want to speak tonight on a a thought that has been kind of running through my mind for a while and it kind of took a little turn maybe differently than I thought, but building the rapture in perfect weakness. Building the rapture in perfect weakness. It was amazing to me that Brother Ed had taken from the Masterpiece message on Sunday. That was what I had been looking at throughout the week before already coming into this service. And I think I stole Brother Andrew's text as well for tonight from last Sunday night. And Brother Brother Ed, Brother Max, there's been focus on the Holy Ghost and getting the Holy Ghost and getting the oil. And I, I think this thought might just add in somehow a little bit to that because we have to be in a state of perfect weakness. And what does that mean? Well, we'll look at it a little bit. But tonight I want to look at this, that God is building the rapture inside of us. But how do we get into it? And I think about it, and I think that when we say that there will be a rapture, for many people that would struggle, raised in church, in church, whatever the case would be, whatever the walk of life that could struggle with something, the rapture can look far away. And it can look like something that I might miss or not make. For someone that would be a young Christian looking for the Holy Ghost in their life, the rapture also seems like it's something far away. Because there's something that they know that they need before they'd ever make it. But really, when the Holy Ghost comes into your life, the rapture starts. And we must begin in a certain place that Brother Branham would preach a message called perfect strength by perfect weakness. We have to reach a spot of perfect weakness. So this is about getting into that rapturing process so that that rapture can build inside of us. There's the other side. Many times we feel weak, like we'll never make it. And many times we feel too strong, like we're going to make it and it doesn't matter what I do. But there has to be a spot that we reach that's in the middle that God can actually use us. That's where I'd like to go a little bit tonight. In this day, we have a promise of a rapture. How many believes that? That's what we're looking for. It's in this day that the finality of all that God had in his mind, in the back part of his mind for today, and I believe that God has a lot in the back part of his mind for eternity that we'll still see, but all that he had in the back part of his mind for today will come to pass in you and in me. Everything that God wanted to do with the bride, everything that God had been building through thousands of years. He had his first masterpiece in Adam, and he struck his side and took out Eve. And then he had his second masterpiece in Jesus Christ. He struck him, he was smitten, and he took us out. And now God is building a masterpiece, a bride, the mystery of Christ expressed today. And we have something to do. And we have something to live out. And there's a rapture part to live out right now before the event happens. There's a promise for, Brother Branham would say in the message, it is the rising of the sun. There have been churches, churches, brides, brides, churches, brides, brides. But there has to come one. There has to come a real bride. There must come one that's not only got the mechanics, but the dynamics of it that makes the church live and move in the power of his resurrection. So there's a promise for a rapture to happen. Isaiah prophesied that a virgin would conceive, and she did. Noah prophesied a flood would come, and it did. And Malachi prophesied that Elijah would come and turn our hearts back, and our hearts have been turned. 
So there has to come a rapture one day that will come and catch us away. And I would say our, our ultimate goal, if you've been raised in the message, if you've come into the message, is to make a rapture. That's the only goal that ultimately we have. It's to serve our purpose, to serve God well. But ultimately, we want to get to a spot where we find in that moment when God comes and takes us away, we're in it. And we didn't miss it. That's our goal. And I believe that the day of the rapture will be a pretty extraordinary day. It'll be quite the day. It'll be a day that when the bride around the world is taken home in an instant. It'll be a day where two in the bed will, will be sleeping and, and one will be taken and one will be left. Two in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. And that's where the part where it'll also be a very ordinary day for the rest of the world. Most of the world will never know. Most of Christianity will never know it even happened. So it'll be a, both an extraordinary day and a very ordinary day. And it'll come like a thief in the night. And I began to think, when we're taken up in a rapture, what will we think about in those moments right after? How will we feel? I imagine that we'll remember the moments briefly where we didn't think we'd ever make it. Those moments where we felt so weak, so insufficient, so insecure, such a failure that we never thought that we'd make it. We'll remember those moments where we sat in the service knowing what we did, knowing where we're at, knowing what we shouldn't be or what we should be, but here we are and we made it. Amen. We'll also remember the moments where we knew we were going to make it, where we stood in a service or we, we, we rejoiced in the presence of the Lord. We knew we were going to make it because really the rapture can't happen without us. You have to make it. We're going to make it. We'll remember the highs and we'll remember the lows. But now the rapture itself, it, we know, is a process. It's not just an event. It culminates in the event where there's a body change, where we catch up to our theophany and we're changed. But there's a process now that's coming from the inside out. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, If that spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, that quickening power, that resurrection, if it's dwelling in you, you're already a part of that rapture process. Amen. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. So as the rapture begins to grow inside of you, as the Holy Ghost, the life of God is growing inside of you, it's changing your desires on the outside. It's changing your, your wants, your everything from the inside out to a place where God can come and say, okay, let's glorify that body. Let's put it together with the theophany. Let's bring you into a rapture. He shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Amen. Now God is building us towards his perfect eternal vision that he had. And I want to say this, and this might be a strange statement, but listen to this and think about it as we follow it through the Bible. As you think about it through the Bible, God, I've heard it said this way, that God is a builder and not a performer. God builds something. God builds a masterpiece, and the masterpiece speaks. The masterpiece fulfills the word and lives out a life by the dynamics that is inside it, but God built it. God put the character in you and is building something inside of you, putting you through suffering and trials and tests and, and all kinds of things so that you... You do the performing of his word, and you do the performing of his will. God is building a rapture. God is building something inside of us. All of the things that we go through is building something. So he can get a certain sound, a certain ting, a certain, certain something out of each one of our lives for what he wants to perform. God is a builder, but we get to perform. We get to do what he set us out to do. God built Job so that he could show the devil a Christian. He built Job in such a way, he had tempered him in such a way, he had built him with such a character. When it came to perform, he performed. When it came to show, no, no matter what, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. God builds a bride so that she can do the greater work. God is building a bride so that she can do greater and more than what he even did in his own earthly ministry. 
Brother Branham would say in the junction of time, some glorious day, all we who were dead in sin and trespasses, we were going to hell and omnipotent spoke. Just skipping through. We raised from hell to glory and someday we'll eat the, the banquet supper at the last day. Omnipotent speaks. God's word is omnipotent. We believe it and raised from death unto life. He that heareth my words and believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever believeth, liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Omnipotence. And then he says this, we're like Noah, building away on the ark. The miraculous will take place someday when the rapture comes and Jesus comes. Amen. We're at the junction now. When you see these things happening, raise up your head. Your redemption is drawing nigh. So he says, we're like Noah building the ark, except we're building another ark that'll carry us through. Brother Branham would also, he'd be praying, and is this the sign of the answer? You are God, and there is none but you. Receive us, Lord. Forgive us of our sins. I am repenting of all my unbelief for all my iniquity. I plea on the altar of God. And then he says, as I come tonight with this little church before me, by faith, we, we move from this building in rapture. So it's a place that you can be while still on this earth. It's a place that we can start to enter into and start to get into the thoughts of rapture. We get to, into the thoughts of a place that, and, and enter into heavenly places all while still being on this earth, unfortunately, sometimes. By faith we move from this building in rapture, and he says, as we sit together in heavenly places around the, th the throne of God, our hearts have been warmed many times in the things that we've seen you do and unfold your mysteries to us. Now we know that God is building a masterpiece today. Right. And he's been building it for the last 2,000 years. Yeah. That seed had to go into the ground and die. And, and there was dark ages and persecution and so much that happened. But it began to rise up in Wesley and in Luther and in Wesley and in Pentecost. And we have today. Yeah. But the culmination of everything is today. All of the other men were great. God used them, but we have to look at where today's message is. Brother Brandon would say in the rapture, what if Moses would have come, would have brought Noah's message, we'll build an ark and float down the Nile? It wouldn't have worked. And neither would Jesus' message have worked for Moses. Or, and neither will Wesley's message ever work in Luther. Or Luther's Wesley message, vice versa. And today, our last great reformation was Pentecost, and today we're moving from that. And the Pentecostal message won't mix with this, because it's of another day. It's all the word of God, but it's building. Like the feet, arms, coming up, forming a bride for the rapture. See, don't displace them people back there. They live to their message. All of them will come out that was in the bride, just like going through a stalk of wheat. It leaves the wheat, the hull, but the wheat itself forms like the grain of wheat that fell into the ground. How could God be a builder and not a performer? Well, we're his hands and his feet. He's building the body, but we're the hands, we're the feet. We do the work. We do the living out on life or on earth today in our lives. Brother Branham would say in the rapture, that corn of wheat had to fall into the ground just like Jesus had to fall to rise again. So did the church of Pentecost had to fall. It had to go into the ground, them dark ages. Start, skipping down, but it started sprouting in Martin Luther. Come on through Wesley, out on into Pentecost, now to go to the grain. And now the denominational systems that they left behind, their stocks, that's all. It's to be burnt. The denominational systems, but the real grain that come, out of, that, will co that come out of each of those reformations will be caught up in the bride. It will all together make the bride. Amen. I heard someone make this, this statement, and it so struck me, and I, I went quiet for a second. I went on my phone and I had to write it down. Keep taking steps towards your theophany. Brother Branham would say some interesting things, and I, I have some quotes, but he would say that your theophany is, it, it could be in the room, but you wouldn't see it. It's, in, it's invisible. And in, in, who is this Melchizedek? He, he talks much about the theophany. It's invisible. And, and, and we bypass that body that Brother Brandon would also say, knowed all things. So we bypassed it. 
and we're in flesh. And he would talk about how a glorified body is when our flesh, which is being quickened by the word from the inside out, when we're we're fully quickened and we catch up with that theophany, now we're in a glorified condition. We know all things. And everything's perfect. That's the body we're taking steps toward tonight. That's the life, the body that we're taking steps toward every day that we're feeding on the word and it's quickening us from the inside out. That's the, the place to be. Keep taking steps towards your theophany. It's just around the corner. One day we'll take another step into my theophany and we'll be gone and we'll never want to come back and we'll never regret any sacrifice we made for God over there. Brother Branham described rapturing condition and he said it was being a a mystic to the world. It was something that was odd to everyone else around us. Abraham considered not his own body now dead. You think of how strange he was to his world. Neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't think about that. Didn't even consider. It wasn't even brought to understanding. He didn't consider it all. He just considered what God said and he went on. Jesus lived in a world that no one knowed about. He was an odd person. He lived in a world of perfect faith, in the perfect God. If we live in a perfect faith of a Christian to what we are, we'd be a mystic to the world, and the people wouldn't understand you. Dropping down, that's the way it is to all believers. They're a mystic. The people don't understand because they live in a world to themselves. Jesus lived in a world that nobody could touch. The disciples couldn't understand him. When he spoke to them, they say this, and when they said, why are you talking riddles? We don't understand this. How can this be? They wasn't in the world that he lived in. They couldn't understand him. Nobody could understand him. And when a man lives by faith and walks by faith, and he says, I mean substance faith, he is isolated from the entire world and becomes a new creature in Christ. There now you're getting into bride material. See, you're getting into rapturing condition now. That means for each one of us, not just the pastor, deacons, trustees. I love what Brother Ed said. Abraham was an ordinary man. That means for the laity. Every individual walks in a world with God alone. Every individual has an alone walk with God. Everyone has, a, has to have a personal walk with God. You can't go on in someone else's experience, no matter how close they are to you and how close they are to God. We have to have our own walk that we cultivate, that we grow, and a faith where we know how God speaks to us and how we speak back to him and how he speaks back to us and how he speaks back. He's marrying each and every one of us. It's an individual walk with him. That means for the laity, Every individual walks in a world with God alone. You're baptized into this kingdom and there's nobody in there. Wow, this is amazing. And there's nobody in there but you and God. In God's kingdom, he says, there's nobody in there but you and God. Now, God built his foundation on four patriarchs. He began to build something uh, on his second masterpiece of Jesus Christ. He began to build it on these four patriarchs. And he had the, the four corners, he, Brother Bradham would say, Abraham was the first one, which represented faith. And Isaac was the second one, which represented love. And Jacob was the third one, which was grace. And, and Joseph was the fourth one, perfection. Eventually, that foundation had to be made perfect with one little scratch that we know J- Joseph told a little lie or wanted his father to tell a little lie. And now, after that, God built the body on the prophets, Brother Branham would say. Not the law, but on the prophets. And he began to shape something in Isaiah and and pull an image out of Jeremiah and all of these different prophets, Elijah. And he began to funnel down till it got closer and closer and closer till it was John the Baptist. And then the head came down. And Jesus Christ stepped in. And he was God's masterpiece. Once God had completed his second masterpiece, he was smitten on the cross so that his bride could be taken from his side. Once God had completed his second masterpiece, God set out to build a rapture. 
That's what he's been building for the last 2,000 years is to build a rapture, to bring everything up to a finality where an event could happen. The people would be perfect. Be therefore perfect, even as I am perfect. There's faith, there's brotherly kindness, patience, temperance, all of those things building up so that he could come down and we could meet him, meet him in the air. The masterpiece bride was built for the past 2,000 years through the church ages. Brother Bradham would say, in the mighty God unveiled before us, God is en morphe again, unveiled himself and make himself known to the people. The great king who laid aside his glory, yet a little while and the world won't see me no more, I'll be veiled to them, but ye shall see me for I will be with you, even in you, all the way to the consummation. Changing from Luther to Wesley and on and on from glory to glory. Brother Brandon would say this amazing little line in the principles of divine healing. And I'll say this, I'm so glad for predestination. Amen. Brother Brandon would say, and this ought to give us faith for anyone that's looking to say, the rapture's, I, I, won't, I won't make it. The devil's telling you that. But Brother Brandon would say, it's not what you try to work yourself up to, it's what you're born to be. You can't lose. What's in you has to come out. There's nothing you can do to stop it. God is building you, and you will perform. Now, how do we get into this rapture? Brother Branham would, would talk about in the rapture, and the body of Jesus Christ, the bride, will be a part of his body. There's no ifs, ands, buts. He was the word, and the word will have to be and the bride will have to be the word. Word added to word, add to word. Luther, Luther's justification, Wesley's sanctification, Pentecostal's baptism of the Holy Spirit, restoration of the gifts and all of that. It's got to be word on top of word, germ on top of germ, life on top of life to bring out the full stature of the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, you was an attribute. And then he says, now how do we get into that bride? That's the question then how do we get into this body? 1 Corinthians 12, we know this, by one spirit, we're all baptized into this body by one Holy Spirit baptism. We need the Holy Ghost. We have to have the oil. It is the most important, you must be born again. Of all the accomplishments you could have on this planet, of all the things that you could achieve in this life, the only thing that will really matter in the end is if you were born again. That's right. The only thing that will really matter in the end is if you were born again. Amen. I want to get into the thought just a little bit. Because how we approach receiving the Holy Ghost, how we approach overcoming, how we approach a rapture, will have to start with the right attitude towards it all. It'll have to start with an understanding of who we are in our flesh, our weaknesses, our frailties, and knowing how nothing we are in God's economy, except when he's in us. Right. Knowing that when we're in Christ and Christ is in us, that he's the one with the strength, no matter what our weakness is. Right. We're looking for a place of perfection where we can speak the word. But when it comes out of the mouth, it's a reflection of what's in the heart. And from the heart and spirit realm, we have to have the right attitude. That's right. And one of the foundations of a right attitude is humility. Amen. One of the right foundations of any right approach to anything is humility. Perfect weakness. Brother, Brother Moses talked about obedience last Wednesday, and how many appreciated that? Amen. Faith by obedience, or obedience by faith. To me, this is just another side of it, faith by humility, faith by perfect weakness. There's something that God wants to build in each and every one of us. Brother Branham would talk about, in the message, perfect strength by perfect weakness. If you notice in the Bible, he says, it's always those who are trying to get away from it that God uses. As long as a man wants to do something and thinks he's got enough ability, he can put the job over, God could never use that man. Look at Moses running. 
Look at Paul running and the rest of them trying to get away from it. Instead, dropping down, instead of trying to be great, we ought to be trying to find out how little we can get. That's right. God, then God can use us. Notice it takes the weakest and the rejected and practically every hero that God ever had on where the front line was that type of person. I believe we're on the front lines tonight. I believe we're on the front lines of the word of the hour today looking to be raptured. Practically every hero that God ever had on the front line was that kind of person. A person that was rejected. A person that thought he was insufficient. A person that had no ability at all. Then that person was just in shape that God could start using him. It's when they feel that they can't, that they haven't got anything, that's when God can take a hold of them and do something with them. But then he says this, because this message, Brother Brandon would talk about Moses in this message. And he talked about a man that was too big. A man that was connected with military and government and he was on top of the world and he was strong and he was everything and he had learned and he was teaching wisdom to the Egyptians. There was a man that thought he could do something and God couldn't use him. So God stripped him out for 40 years on the backside of the desert and then he thought he could do nothing. And God couldn't use him either. He wasn't in perfect weakness. He was too weak, he was insufficient. He didn't think God could do anything with him anymore. And on the other hand, he thought, well, I can go do it. And he slew an Egyptian. You, ha- you can't go on one side or the other. You have to find that spot where you know I'm nothing, but he's everything. God. Let's go forward. He's nothing. I'm nothing. So He's everything. And let's go forward. But then on the other side, when we get these feelings and, th- and we think that we're insufficient and we don't want to do it, but then if we just listen to the call of God, that's the very thing that God wants us to get into, that kind of a shape, where we know we're nothing, but we're still willing to go so he can. When we're insufficient ourselves, then we are subjects to yield to God's spirit. Amen. As long as we're trying in ourselves and depending on our own abilities, well, we'll do nothing. But when we can get to a place when we're no- we know we're nothing, then God can use us. We struggle mentally when we're weak. When we know we're weak, when we know our tendency, when we know how we are, and we know our personality, it's depressing and discouraging. As we, we know better. And in the moment, maybe if we had the willpower, we could do different, but we, we don't. And we fall, and we have our ups, and we have our downs, and we, we're stuck in unredeemed flesh and it's a hard thing when you know that you're weak when you know that you're nothing but God loves to I believe sometimes God even leaves those areas brother Branham would say the devil has one punch coming there's areas of our lives maybe where it's weak and it's weak but God leaves it there so that you stay close to him So you stay close to him because you know you need to stay close to him. Otherwise, you're going down. Paul had a a problem and and he prayed to the Lord, take it away from me, take it away from me. And God said, no. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. You have to know that it's not you, it's me. He's telling us. You have to know, God would say that, when you get to that spot where you know, I can't, I can't overcome this, I can't, I can't. No, you can't, he'll say. But let me step in and do it now. Let me do it. Moses brought so many excuses to God when he was weak. He brought, I believe Brother Brandon would say, seven different excuses to God saying, I can't do it this way and I can't because of that. And, I, and, and you, know what, you know what Brother Brandon would say in that message? God didn't feel sorry for him. He said he felt like kicking him around a little bit. But he was just getting into shape where he could use him. And he was going to do mighty things for God. But we struggle when we're weak. We struggle knowing that we feel insufficient. We feel worthless and not what we ought to be. But that doesn't matter. We're predestinated. We're going to make it. We have to make it. Here is something to console us, Brother Branham says. Here is something that encourages. Out of weakness and humility, God chooses the people to build his kingdom out of. If we ever get to heaven, 
If we ever stand in the presence of God with his church, we'll stand in a bunch of people that's been weak and rejected and cast out by the world. That's the way God wants us. Realize we're totally insufficient. But now, Brother Branham would, would talk about many times we're, we're too weak. We feel that. But, but many times we're too strong. We're too strong-headed. We think we know too much. Brother Branham would say, the case with us is not that we're too weak. It's the case is we're too strong. We're just too strong. That's all. The thing of it is, we're too strong-headed. We, that's right. We're too strong in our head. We know too much. God wants to get that out of us. We're too strong. We're too strong to yield to him. We yield to ourselves. We got to think, well, now I got sense enough to know. I've been around the block, and I know. In Cecil B. DeMille's, Brother Branham talks about the, the movie, The Ten Commandments, directed by Cecil B. DeMille in, I think, 1956. In Cecil B. DeMille's conception of Moses, when he had the Ten Commandments played, he had this man come out. I forget the man that played him. He had a great big man with great arms and strength. And perhaps Moses was that sort of a man, Brother Branham says. We know that he was strong and well-trained, so he took upon himself. He was strong, trained, taught of his mother, knew what he was supposed to do. We're raised in the message. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what's supposed to happen in this day. Brother Branham would say, so he took upon himself, seeing the need of the day. Oh, may God let this sink home, he says. Seeing the need of the day, Moses, with his intellectual powers and his ability that he had to do with it, he was a smart man. He was the coming Pharaoh. He had psychology. He had power. He had physical strength. He had everything. So he said, well, I'm well equipped. I know all of it. And there's a man in the, if there's a man in the land that's able to do it, I am. So I'm the man of the hour. I'll step out. And he went out to accomplish a work that was right and in the will of God, and he offered his natural abilities, and God refused it. It was the right thing. He was the right man. It was the right, it was God's will, but he brought his natural abilities. And God refused it. He couldn't use one thing that Moses had. He couldn't use one thing that Moses had. We can be too smart and too well-prepared too able in ourselves, we can be too sure of ourselves. But God will pull the carpet out. That's right. And he'll show us a thing or two. Amen. That's good. Man today thinks he's really strong. How many knows that? Growing up and raised and knowing this world, reading the news, seeing the accomplishments of man, they're strong and they know they are and they think they are. Man can climb mountains and fly in space. Man does many incredible things. Now, man can go really high. We've, we've seen rockets take off in the last months by different billionaires. But you know what man has a harder time with? Descending. Yeah. And I actually mean that literally. Yeah. You know the area of the earth that's the least explored is the ocean? We have a harder time exploring our ocean. This was the United States government in an article last updated in 2021. More than 80% of our ocean is unmapped, unobserved, and unexplored. We have a really hard time descending. We want to take off to Mars. For the, for the ocean and coastal waters of the United States, only 35% of that has been mapped out with modern methods. That's kind of mind-blowing. I think the deepest part of the ocean is called, a place called Marianas Trench. And I believe there has been a, a man-made capsule or two that have made it to the bottom in a capsule, like a pressurized thing, because the pressure is so great at the bottom of the ocean. And when a, when a scuba diver has to go down, unaided, and I think you can talk to Brother Jared for more about that, if you want to go down, you can go down pretty quick, and your body will accumulate to the pressure, but when you're going up, you have to take a long time. And you can go up so many meters, and then you have to decompress, and the nitrogen has to leave. Otherwise, if you go up too fast, you'll get something called the bends, and you'll die. So you can go down, but to come back up takes some time. And John, what are you talking about? Well, we'll take a little gear shift. And 
man cannot go very deep or hasn't gone very deep very often. Did you know that the deepest scuba dive world record was broken and set this year in 2021? A solo man in his own ability, not aided by a capsule, so they can go deep with a capsule, they've gone to the bottom, but in and of himself, with his own gear, in his own body, they, they, they broke a new record, and they can only go so deep. He was a man named Ahmed Gaber, and he went into, the, into, the, into, um, into a place, into a water, and he broke the record for the deepest scuba dive, plunging an astonishing 332.35 meters, only 300.3 of a kilometer. That actually doesn't seem that deep. I believe it took him something like 12 minutes to get down and something like 15 hours to come back up safely. Guess which place, which water he did it in? He did it in a place called the Red Sea. And he actually broke the record of a previous dive of 318.25 meters off of that same coast of Dahab. I got a question. Why would these records be set in a, in a Red Sea? Satan lost an army down there. God had promised. He brought them to a Red Sea, not a sea of reeds, but a deep sea that man in their own strength today cannot touch the bottom of. Man in their own strength are still trying to get to the bottom of the deeper parts of the Red Sea in their own ability, and they still can't do it. God made a promise. Those Egyptians that you see this day, you'll see again no more. So he buried them deep. He buried them in a place that the devil will still send his best, deepest men in all that they can do, and they still can't go to the bottom of the Red Sea. That is amazing to me. Why would the devil go down there, and why would they... It just testifies of our God because he brought Moses to the Red Sea and Moses said, it's deep, I can't go through. They're behind us, the Red Sea is before us and all God says, well, speak and go forward. And it was dry for Moses. My, but humans aren't so good at going deep. They're not so good at descending. Moses had to be taken to the backside of that desert. He was too strong. He had come strong, but he had to go to the desert for for one purpose for 40 years, and that was to empty himself out. And many times God will take us through seasons in our life, maybe for years, maybe preparing us just for the Holy Ghost to empty ourselves out. God won't give you the Holy Ghost until you're perfectly ready for it. We know that from the message that he would, Brother Branham would talk about that boxcar that needed to be perfectly in order. If the inspector would come by and see a little bit of this, Brother Branham would say, just a little loose about your prayer life or just a little bit this or a little bit that. The inspector wouldn't come by and seal it. But when we're perfectly empty, when we're in the right spot, it won't take any much longer than that. And it's, the, the repentance is met, the baptism is met, and you're filled because you've obeyed every word of God. We have to get to a spot where we begin to let go of all the things that, have, that we fill ourselves up with. All of the things that wouldn't be necessary, maybe for the journey, Brother Max spoke, unpacking for the trip. There's a lot of unpacking to do to get to a rapture. To get to victory in our lives, when we're looking for overcoming power, it takes an unpacking of ourselves. It takes an unpacking of our own strength, of our own mind, of our own thought of how to overcome. But when God steps in, he does it. It's not till we let go that we can overcome. It's not till we let go that we can really be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I believe it'll be the same for the rapture. When there's no more attachment to anything else. And the only thing to do is to go up. Brother Brandon would talk about the, the widow that had just a little bit of meal left over. And God had brought her to a perfect spot. I wonder if we could turn into 2 Kings, I think, or 1 Kings 17, sorry. And, and it was a widow in Zarephath. And the word of the Lord came unto him in verse 8, saying, Arise, 
Get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman that was there gathering of sticks, and he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake. She was weak. She was nothing. She had everything left physically. She was down to the last drop. I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. That's a pitiful, terrible spot to be. And Elijah said unto her, fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Faith by obedience. Obey. Show that you have faith by trusting me enough to obey me. Fear not and go do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after that, make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Brother Brandon would say, how about that widow with a handful of meal? She had, to, she had got to her weakness. She probably starved herself to death. She had no meal. I'm sure she had been budgeting for a long time, seeing it go down, and ate less and ate less over a long period of time. She was already really hungry, and she only had a little bit left. She couldn't go nowhere else and borrow any meal. No one else had any. But she had come to a place, a great believer, her husband had been a great man of God, and she was a widow with a child, and she had just a handful of meal. But that was enough. That was all she needed. Moses was sent forth finally when he was in a spot of weakness, imperfect weakness, where God could use him. Then, 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 then God said, what's that in your hand? Okay, take your stick and go forward. Take your stick, and I'm going to use that, and by that I will write, wrought mighty works in Egypt. That was all she needed as well. She had come to a place, a great believer, her husband had been a great man of God, and she was a widow with a child. She had just a handful of meal, but it was enough. That's all she needed. Consecrated in the hands of God, she lived on it for three years and six months on a handful of meal. Brother Branham said she got weak. She went out that morning, pick up two sticks and break them and put them together and see the two sticks is the cross, break. I'm gonna get two sticks. She said, I'm not gonna get an armful, just two sticks, that's it. What was the symbol? The old ancient way to light a fire is to take logs and cross them and burn them in the middle. And he would talk about how, and then dropping down, I've got two sticks, I've got to the bread, dress this meal, this little handful of meal and make a cake for me and my son. We'll eat it and we'll die. She was really in weakness, wasn't she? She turned around and she looked and started to walk back. Oh, that hot morning had been so long then without anything. No water and people screaming, people dying everywhere, nowhere to borrow, nothing to do. She was at the end of the road. She was in her weakness. She said, I'm going to dress it for me and my son. We'll eat it and die. Just a minute. She looked back and that old fuzzy face sticking out across the gate there. Go make me a cake first. Lord, help me discern your need. Go make me a cake first. What does God want us to do? What's that thing that might unlock the door for us? What's that step that we could take that God's been asking us to do? Go make me a cake first, and then I'll perform all the promises that I've promised unto you. Fetch me a little water in your hand and a piece of bread, for thus saith the Lord, oh my, and that one did it. Oh my, that little bit she had, see, she consecrated it to God. That was enough to feed her for the rest of the time. When she was weak, then she was strong. One had just a little vessel of oil in it. Another widow in Elisha's time. And she had nothing. Her two sons was going to be sold for bondsmen. She had nothing else she could do with this vessel of oil. Wasn't very much. And she was at the end. Elijah said to her, and I believe it was Elisha, said to her, what have you got in your house? Said, just a little oil in a vessel. 
She said, go to your neighbors, borrow plenty of them. There, look, get ready before it ever happens. Get ready. David heard that sound in the mulberry bushes. Elijah saw a cloud just the size of a man's hand and said, I hear the abundance of rain. Then Brother Branham said, oh, if God can get some empty vessels. That's right, fill the house full of them. So she went off. She found, she went to this neighbor. She went to that neighbor. She got all the empty vessels, the big ones, the little ones, as many as she could get. The more space that you give God room to fill, he'll fill every spot, every crack, every crevice. If we'll empty out everything, the deeper you dig, the more water will be there. See what God wants? God has to have empty vessels. Listen, we've had so much doctrine, so much ecclesiastical nonsense. Until we're down at the end of the barrel, there's only one thing left. Turn to God and his word. And if you'll do that, get some empty vessels, take all the Methodist out of them. Take all the Pentecostal out of them. All the Baptist out of them and just let them be vessels. Every denominational thought out, just let it be a vessel. And set them in the house. And then take this vessel from God and begin to pour. She had enough to take care of her, her and her kids. It's enough for you and your family and everything else and pay off all the debts. Why? Just what little she had consecrated to God and following the word of this prophet should come out right. God, send us a prophet that will take the word of God and will not take something else but just get empty vessels. If God can just get empty vessels and then take the word of God and pour it into that person. Now, looking at the Holy Ghost, and I'm winding down. Brother Brandon begins to switch a gear and look at receiving the Holy Ghost. If God can get an empty vessel, and then he says, not some say, oh, I shook when I received it. I spoke in tongues when I received it. I danced in the spirit. Forget it, see? And he's talking about, don't look at some manifestation, but what does the word say? What does the word say? You might shake, you might dance, you might speak in tongues, but does it live what the word said? Just stay there, Brother Branham says. I dance in the spirit, forget it. See, just stay there until it comes. That's all, till the vessel's full. That's it. That's the way you do it. Yes, sir, the simplicity of it. The vessels was filled up. How we could stay on that. He says, I could just take one little scripture, Acts 2.38, and that's all we need. Obey that. Repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall. You don't have to learn seminaries all about this or that or the other. Just take that. Just take that. He says, that's all you need. Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall be filled up with the oil. Just empty up and get ready for that one. That's all you need to do. Just put a drop in it and watch it fill. You know, it wasn't hardly in that vessel to make a drop in each one from her original thing, maybe. Maybe it wasn't a drop to hardly put in a drop in all of them. Maybe he just took his finger like this and just dropped it off in each one like that, looking back, and it was full. Maybe that's all he could do was just take a drop and it was full. Elisha just dropped it off. That's all he needed because it was blessed oil. Don't take a seminary experience Take the word of God and drop it in there. It doesn't take a message intellectual study of this and that that are all true. It's revelation. It's real. But it doesn't take studying to find the Holy Ghost. Brother Branham said it takes Acts 2.38. Faith in that scripture. He says, and then I think thinking of the upper room, he said, well, what kind of a drop must we make? Maybe we can take something out of the Psalms. He says, you take what I told you. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall be filled from that drop. Just drop in that there. Just drop that in there, and you shall be filled from that drop. That's the drop that Peter used on the day of Pentecost. That's the drop that Paul used. That's the drop that all the disciples used. The rest of it will be added. The rapture will be built, but let it start. Brother Branham says, get weak. 
get empty, empty all up, and from that, it'll keep dropping, and God will do the rest of the dropping. You just do that. You drop to your knees and receive that with all your heart. Drop in your heart right now and say, God, I believe with all my heart. God will take care of the rest of the drops. It'll be filled up. You shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. Brother Branham would say this, and it just so struck me this evening. Oh, God's strategy is to take empty human vessels and shake the world with them. If we can be nothing, if we can have perfect weakness, God will shake the world with you. That's what he did on the day of Pentecost. They came rushing out, and those people turned the world upside down. We'll go to this last, back to the beginning, but the last scripture, Psalms 18, verse 35, if we could put that back up. God's masterpiece, Jesus, had to read a spot of, reach a spot of weakness. I wonder if we could look at that. Psalms 18, 35. Thou hast given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holding me up. And it says this, thy gentleness hath made me great. Uh, and I, I struggled with that for a little bit. Well, what would that mean? Your gentleness has made me great. But the Amplified to me just kind of opened it up. Your gentleness and condescension have made me great. Christ hanging on a cross in his weakness. Man can't go deep. They don't like to go deep. But God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, could condescend from glory and take a name that wasn't even a great name and go to the lowest city and all of those things to condescend, to die the most horrible death. And that gentleness, that condescension, that spot of weakness in a perfect way where God was still using him. It was in that spot of weakness that he could pay for the sins of the world. It was in that spot where he was in, in some ways helpless, and yet he wasn't. There was 10,000 angels on each branch. But it was in that spot that makes us great. Let's stay in that spot where he can keep making us great by us condescending, by us lowering ourselves, by us emptying ourselves completely out. Brother Branham would say this, and I wonder if the musicians could come. Stay right with it. Stay with it. If every one of them kicks you out, I don't care how weak you become, then I become strong. When they kick me out, God will take me in. They kick you out, God will take you in. Brother Branham says, remember, it's the off-scours that always picks up. God always picks up the nobodies. Then he makes somebodies for him. May it, and then he says this, and this is amazing to me. Maybe we won't see why we were on earth in this life. Some may see why they were on earth and God, you, you may see how God would use you, but some may not. You may not see that you're a somebody on this life. Because Brother Branham says this, God, then he makes them somebodies for him. May not know it in this life, but it will be in the one that's coming. That's right. See, that's the one. It doesn't matter if you're a somebody in this life, in, in the world's eyes. You want to be a somebody in God's eyes, whether it's here or whether it's there. God's got a purpose. God's got an eternal purpose. I wonder if we could play that song, Give Thanks Again. Brother Branham would say, Oh Lord, another Sunday morning, and I'll say Wednesday night has passed, and we've been sitting in this solemn assembly where women, men and women who know you, where your spirit dwells within their hearts, and they believe you and have acted upon every word that you've commissioned us to do, and we thank, these, thank thee for these people. This is in perfect strength by perfect weakness. And there may be many others out in the land where these tapes will go, where the little humble women and men will take them into the homes and into the tribes out into the other lands. May they hear, Lord, and understand, empty themselves out so the Holy Spirit can fill them up. There may be some here, even this morning or this evening, Lord, that would have emptied themselves up since we started speaking, that has realized that they have trusted too much in their own thoughts their own ability, trusting in the shrewdness of their own simple human mind, which is nothing but filthiness before God. Oh God, 
May they just empty themselves out now. Humbly submit themselves and come for the filling of the Spirit. Grant it, Lord. How many wants that? To be just so empty of our own self, of our own ability, and yet not too scared to step out in faith when God calls us to do something. If God commissions you to do something, and, you, and we begin to speak back, he'll say, well, I, I sent you. Go do it. Amen. Don't be scared to step out in faith when God calls us. Amen. Let's all stand. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ, His Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ, His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Because of what the Lord has done for us and now let the weak say I am strong let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord